Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week 9 saw 25th ranked James Madison survive an upset bid from Old Dominion. Troy and Georgia Southern both became bowl eligible. And Kane, we saw tons of intrigue in the Sunbelt title races. Georgia Southern picked up a statement win over rival Georgia State to secure bowl eligibility on Thursday night. James Madison survived an upset bid from Old Dominion in the Royal Rivalry. App State avoided an embarrassing loss on homecoming. Louisiana created separation with a big win over South Alabama. Troy stated their case as the West best team. Coastal Carolina dispatched Marshall despite not having Grayson McCall. All while Arkansas State improved to four and four thanks to the play of Jalen Rayner. Today on episode 139 of the show, it's time for our week nine recap. We're going to break down all the biggest moments from this past week of Sunbelt football. We'll look at some of the key storylines ahead of week 10 action. Caden, this was probably my favorite week of Sunbelt football this year. We saw competitive games from start to finish. What were some of your favorite moments of week nine? Oh man, Noah, so many to choose from. Obviously the people that know or don't know are going to now learn that I went to the App State football game this weekend and saw them take on Southern Miss. So just being back in Boone, North Carolina, being in-house for my first game of the year for the Sunbelt Conference was just electric to feel that crowd, feel the environment, and really be on the sideline and watching those pads and that physical contact just was great to see. But I think when you look across the conference, it was great to see us be right in some of these games and wrong in some of these games. I think this league continues to be unpredictable. And I think the quarterback plays really is what stood out to me. If you look at all of the games, the leading passer in all of these games, have 300 yards. Jared Guest got to 289 yards, so he was just close there, and we'll talk about his amazing day. But it's looking like the quarterback play in this conference now is continuing to take a step up as we get into the most important times of the year, and now looking forward in the schedule, really looking forward to watching some of the top quarterback performers we saw this weekend square off more down the line and into the future. So great quarterback play, great conference play overall this weekend, and can't wait to get into more of it. Caden, similar to you, I got to experience the Georgia State-Georgia Southern game live on Thursday night. It was an absolute blast. Had a great time in Statesboro. And and like you mentioned, that was the big pick I think we got wrong. Uh, We got several quote tweets uh, after the game on our wrong prediction there. But Caden, like you alluded to, so many good games to talk about. We're planning on talking about every game that happened. Should we go ahead and just skip our usual Sunbelt scoreboard and get right into the action? As much as I think me and everyone else loves the Sunbelt scoreboard, no, I think with the action we have this week, it's best if we just get right into it and dive right into it, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's be honest. I think you're probably just sick of hearing my voice, but uh, I'll let you go on that one. Caden, a couple just (laughs) real quick notes on the weekend. Uh, James Madison obviously remains undefeated with a win over Old Dominion. They're now one of eight remaining undefeated teams at the FBS level after Oklahoma lost. Uh, Georgia Southern and Troy each securing bowl eligibility for the second straight season. The league now has three bowl eligible teams. And if you're looking ahead to week 10, Texas State, Louisiana, and Coastal Carolina will all be playing for bowl eligibility. Caden, also bad weekend to be a better in the Sun Belt, at least if you were betting on the favorites. Only Georgia Southern and Troy covered. James Madison, South Alabama, Marshall, App, and ULM all failed to cover in their week nine games. Great weekend, Caden. Let's jump into Georgia Southern versus Georgia State. Uh, Georgia Southern winning this one 44-27. Caden, this was a good old-fashioned rivalry matchup. Georgia Southern snapping a three-game losing streak to Georgia State. They did it in front of an electric atmosphere. And Caden, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This was one of the best student sections in the Sun Belt at this game. Georgia Southern became the second Sun Belt team to secure bowl eligibility in 2023. and 
for the second year in a row. Georgia Southern's going bowl game. Before we get into this one quick, just, you know, real a lot of thank yous uh, to throw out to just people at Georgia Southern. Jared Banco, Chris Davis, uh, I think guys like Lenny Bevel, Kyle Vantrese, uh, who helps run their collective. I got to go to a luncheon and hear about what they were uh, accomplishing with that collective. So just a great experience in Statesboro. Certainly uh, looking forward to going back and watching them again. Hey, who knows, Cade, maybe for a Sunbelt Championship game. We'll see how things play out. But Georgia Southern's offense in this game looked unstoppable, Cade. And Davis Brin was making all the right decisions. And he's been knocked for that in recent weeks. It was his best game of the year. They have a healthy Jalen White now who Clay Helton said is an absolute game changer. Uh, the wide receiver room, so deep. That was on display. And Caden, we forget to talk about the defense, but they were outstanding. They're so much better. Three more turnovers in this game. They're actually undefeated when forcing three turnovers this year. Caden, considering the remaining schedule for Georgia Southern, you've got Texas State next week. You've got the Herd. You've got App State. Is anyone going to slow down Georgia Southern? It's hard to see it, Noah. I mean, looking at the performance they had in this game, if their offense and their defense are going to continue to play this complimentary throughout the rest of the season, they're going to be a very, very hard team to stop. I mean, Georgia Southern's offense was able to get 13 possessions in this game, and if you're playing them, you do not want that. I mean, they were cooking all day. I think Caleb Hood has now put himself into the driver's seat as maybe the best wide receiver in the conference. I think maybe him and Colin Lacey are kind of in the driver in the passenger seat right now in the same car. Davis Britt obviously had the two turnovers in this game, but we mentioned those turnovers being an issue in the past. But when you get the ball this much, and when you have your defense playing this well for you, you're willing to afford one or two turnovers, I think, a game compared to the four or five that we saw against games and in games like Wisconsin and James Madison, where we saw it be more of a problem, especially more of a problem when your defense is there. But I think when this team is playing complimentary football, they're absolutely dangerous. They The first time they've held an opponent scoreless in an entire quarter in conference play this year. And I think if you're a Georgia Southern defense and you can just shut off the water like that and you have an offense on your side that's going to always be operating, always moving the chains and always pushing to be in the end zone, that's going to be very, very hard to stop. They did what they had to to get off the field on third down, especially in the beginning of this game, which was huge for their defense. They created turnovers and got the ball back to their defense. And we've mentioned all offseason. Those are the two areas they needed to improve on. And that's what's really going to take them from being a good team to a great team. They clearly show that in this game. And I think it's kind of like it's, it's, it's you saw it happen so early in this game and with the momentum they had in front of their home crowd. I think that's just another kind of notch you can give this team as far as their success throughout the season. They only have one more home game throughout the rest of the year, but I think the energy and the play they were able to get from key role players on the defensive side of the ball, whether it was in the secondary playing tight coverage against those defensive backs, a guy like Dalen Cobb who had two big time plays in the wide receiver in the wide receiving core in this game, making two big catches. I think when you look at the complimentary style of football that we've seen across a lot of the teams that have been successful in the past in this conference, if you look at it with this Georgia Southern team specifically, if they're able to play complimentary throughout the season with their high-flying offense and a defense who can get off the field and continue getting the ball back to that offense, they're going to be very, very hard to stop, not just in the East, but just going forward the entire season when you look at this team and maybe even this program in the future. Kane, you mentioned Dalen Cobb and speaking to people around the program, they think that he will be the best wide receiver in the conference next year once guys like Hood and Burgess leave. Uh, I also want to say, too, I've said before, I feel like Brandon Bailey is at least a top three hire in this past hiring cycle. He continues to prove why with how good that defense is playing. Caden, once again, we saw a slow start doom Georgia State. They trailed 34-7 with 10.06 left in the third quarter. They had just seven first-half points and 124 yards of offense in that opening half. We saw the same thing against Troy where they had seven points in that opening half. That was their other loss this year. 
this must be a concerning trend right now for Sean Elliott and company, Caden. Yeah, first of all, you definitely want to give credit to Georgia Southern for playing so well so early. I think talking more about their formula of winning, if they're able to have teams have to play catch up against their offense, that's going to be huge for them the rest of the season. And we've seen now with Georgia State twice that they're not necessarily built to play catch up. We saw in their first two losses, they've had a lot of similarities in those games between the Troy and the Georgia Southern game. They only had seven points in the first half in both of those games. And then in an attempt to come back in those games, we saw uncharacteristic uncharacteristic turnovers from Darren Granger in this offense that just made it hard for them to come back in the game. They had three turnovers in each of those games. And I think as a result, you've seen that this team might not be kind of that kind of team that has that come from behind potential. This offense is at their best when they come out, they're balanced, they're methodical, they're moving the chains down the field. And in this game, they weren't able to do that because of the third down success that Georgia Southern was able to have on defense. This was an offense that really, really leaned on their third down success between the running game of Marcus Carroll, the run game of Darren Granger, and just his decision making in the intermediate passing game. But you got to credit Brandon Bailey and this defense, again, for making things hard for this team on third down. And as a result, we saw them be effective in moments, but not in the moments that mattered. In the second half, it was too late once we saw them starting to get Marcus Carroll going a little bit more start to see some of those downfield passes work, but you need a lot more firepower if you want to catch up to a Georgia Southern team who's going to start with a lead and continue to stay on that lead if they get it. So from a defensive standpoint, only Wisconsin and James, you have JMU have slowed down this Georgia Southern passing attack, so you can't really knock them for that. But I think looking forward with this Georgia State team, the question is going to come down to how fast can they start games? And if they do find themselves down, could they show maybe a new ability to come from behind? Yeah, definitely fascinating, Caden. I'm glad you mentioned Marcus Carroll, career high, over 200 yards rushing in this game. Caden, first two bowl teams in the conference, both from the state of Georgia. I know you'll love to hear that. Uh, Georgia Southern holds the head-to-head now over Georgia State, both sitting at 6-2, and two, both have three conference wins. Georgia Southern might be the favorite in the East now. What's your take on both teams' uh, postseason picture, Caden? Yeah, you got to be feel good if you're Georgia Southern going into the month of November. I mean, you just had your best performance all season long in conference play against, against a very formidable opponent and rival. So you got to love to see that. And you also, like I mentioned, love to see that your offense and defense are clicking and playing on the same page. But like I mentioned before, this team only has one more home game the rest of the season. So I think when it comes to their postseason push and them trying to get into the conference championship, we know that Paulson Stadium is a tough place to play. play. We know, especially at night, it's hard to play. But can this team get a road warrior mentality now going into November to close out this season. I mean, they're playing a Marshall team and a Texas State team to start off the road trip that have both kind of been trending down as they're trending up. Then they host Old Dominion, who's trending up, but that is a home game, and we know how hard it is to play in Georgia Southern. Then they have that big rivalry game against App State at App State where all bets are going to be off, and that's just going to be a good old-fashioned hateful rivalry game. So I think when you look at this Georgia Southern team moving forward, the question is going to be, can they win on the road? Can they be road warriors? And that's ultimately what I think is going to define their season as far as their success moving forward. Georgia Southern, Caden, as you mentioned, they travel to San Marcos this next week. They're going to face a 5-3 and three Texas State team that's coming off a 31-13 to 13 loss to Troy in Week 9. Georgia Southern going to look to further strengthen their case as the Sunbelt East Division favorites right now. And Georgia State playing host to undefeated in top 25 James Madison, who won 30-27 to 27 over Old Dominion. Over the weekend, it's going to be a, a true battle between two East Division heavyweights. We'll move on to talk about that James Madison game, the 25th-ranked Dukes winning 30-27 to over Old Dominion. And this one smelt like a potential upset for most of this game. JMU surviving a major scare. They were able to win after being ranked unlike last year. 
Gain in this one, even the all-time series against Old Dominion at two apiece. James Madison led by as many as 13 multiple times, but they just couldn't put away Old Dominion. And in the end, McLeod and that wide receiver core just a little bit better than the Monarchs. Caden, outside of Southern State on Thursday that I was at, this was the game that I paid the most attention to this weekend. The question is why, and that's because Old Dominion made this one an absolute game. They proved a lot to me. Grant Wilson played fantastic. They ran the ball best against JMU that anyone's done all year. They kept drives alive. Caden, consider me a real believer now in what Ricky Ronnie and his staff are doing in Norfolk. Oh, yeah. Consider me one to know. Old Dominion is real, and they're very real. I think when you look at the scheme and execution of this offense now, lately, they've really caught in their stride. And now they're the team that everyone has to look out for in the conference, even to James Madison. I think what a transformation for this team. I mean, they went from having what I call the worst win in the entire conference's history when they beat Texas A&M Commerce 10 to 9. And then they come out here four weeks later, four games later, and they're playing James Madison better and closer than anyone we've ever seen. You just have to give your hat off to Ricky Ronnie and his staff and these players for kind of getting their rhythm. They know they didn't start the season the way they wanted to. We saw glimpses of them being successful in moments, but now it seems like they've really put them together. They really have their identity, and they really know that their scheme and their execution is going to have them in every single game. We've talked about the effectiveness of the running backs in the scheme. You mentioned this was the best performance anyone's ever had against James Madison running the ball, and it was all in the second half. They only had 16 yards in the first half, then end the game with 138 yards on the ground. I have to give credit to Keyshawn Wicks and Kadarius Callaway being a great one-two punch for this team and being able to rip off some big time runs in that second half and just finding James Madison, one guy misaligned or one guy out of their gap in certain situations and being able to exploit that. We know that the splits of the wide receivers lend themselves to those light boxes and they were able to catch James Madison slipping enough times in this game to keep this one a dogfight. And on the flip side of that, they were able to expose the secondary that we mentioned with James Madison. That's not necessarily the strongest group with those splits, with those one-on-one coverages. And we saw some great performances from their wide receivers. Isaiah Page ends this game with 10 catches. Really seeing Javon Harvey get into his own again, getting into his groove after coming off of an injury. He could have had two touchdown passes or catches in this game. I thought one of them was super close. That toe tap could have given it to him. And that was a great throw by Grant Wilson. And Grant Wilson really is the biggest key in this entire puzzle. You have to love what you've seen from Grant Wilson as far as just having one turnover in this game. We know the turnovers are going to be what keeps Old Dominion in and out of games, just given their style and how methodical it is. And I think him being a mobile, him having that mobility was able to give James Madison some problems in the second half, really sustain drives for them to really keep that chain, those chains moving. And I think he has that dog in him too. You just see him on the sideline after they score, giving some positive hype and some some credit and some recognition and some pats on the back and some dap up to his wide receivers. So I think as a program right now, this team is really looking on the up and up. I've mentioned in the past that this defense has been slept on and very underrated. They had a great game as well, causing turnovers, playing extremely downhill. They gave up a couple plays deep because they play so downhill and they kind of bit them in the end of this game. And that's kind of what it came down to. But that excellent execution on third down as well. You really have to give credit just to this entire team for really balling out in this game, giving JMU a run for their money. And I think putting the entire conference on notice, I think moving forward that, hey, what you saw in the beginning of the season, take it out with, with, with whatever you want. But just know right now, lately, what we've been doing, we've been effective and we're coming to make noise in the East as well. Okay, and I have to imagine Old Dominion fans, they're sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to find out where we rank them in our power rankings that'll come out uh, in the middle of the week. Caden, JMU remains undefeated, but they definitely got a scare here. They were a 20-point favorite in this one. Jordan McLeod continued his strong play, although a couple of interceptions uh, in this game. Wide receiver play, excellent. Reggie Brown, Elijah Surratt were elite. Caden, we didn't think many teams could play with them. ODU just did. Should JMU fans be concerned at all moving forward? 
No, if I was a James Madison fan, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think if anything, from just a, a, a team will and grittiness in the last two weeks, you kind of have to love what you've seen from your team in back-to-back weeks in conference play regarding the toughness of this team and their ability to close out games. They're not front runners by any means. I think early in the season when you have dominant wins, it's very easy to take that kind of identity. But I think now this team's really had a grind for its last two wins. I think those are good tests for a team like this. Last year, we saw it in their comeback win against App State. They had a close game against Georgia State. Now they've put together two back-to-back moments like this heading into the month of November, which I think from a morale point at least should give this team some more positivity. But their defense looked human for the first time. They still played better than they than they had or played to their best when it mattered most down the stretch. They really, after that first field goal they allowed of the day, kind of had to lock in and really strap in when it came to that second half performance. And then from the offense, they saw some turnover, some bad third down play that kept Old Dominion in this game throughout. But I think the explosive moments we saw in that passing game were a huge difference. You mentioned Reggie Brown and Elijah Surratt absolutely dominating in this game. You really like to see it from this offense that's been a little bit more lenient on the run game, have these explosive plays that really opened up this game and really kept them ahead in this game when they were kind of stagnant on early down. So I think this GMU team showed us that they're human, but I still think they have the best set of humans and coaches in this conference when it comes to just straight up winning football games, maybe between them and Troy right now. But I think all things considered, it's it's okay to bleed a little bit if you're James Madison. I don't think it's any time to start worrying about anything in in, um, James Madison in regards to their success and what they can continue to do this season despite showing a little bit of flaws. As long as all those flaws don't happen in an entire game all at once moving forward this season, I think James Madison's going to be just fine. Yeah, Kane, I think that's the the biggest point is the margin for error, I think, is a little bit greater for James Madison than maybe any other team in the conference just based on the complexion of the roster. Did want to mention Jalen Green, recent podcast alumnus, two and a half more sacks, 15 and a half sacks on the season. Kane, should we just name him the defensive player of the year right now? I think he could stop playing the last four games of the season, no, and he'd still rightfully be the defensive player of the year. So we can we can crown him early if we want. If we want to get the arrangement set up and just get the Royal rivalry fresh off of that win, get some some royalty and crown Jalen Green, the best defensive player in the conference and the conference player of the year, I wouldn't be opposed to it for sure. Well, Caden, uh, they don't have a bowl game to play for, so that would almost you know be a little bit like sitting out the bowl game, maybe sitting out the final four games of the season. But Caden, James Madison heads to Atlanta to face 6-2 and two, Georgia State, who's coming off that 44-27 loss in Week 9 to Georgia Southern. JMU going to look to remain undefeated with three weeks left in the season. Old Dominion welcoming Coastal Carolina to Conway, South Carolina. Uh, the 4-4 four and four Monarchs look to get within a win of bowl eligibility versus Five and three Coastal Carolina side coming off a 34 to six win versus Marshall in week nine. We will move on. Troy, Texas State. This one was a championship caliber showing from the Trojans. Troy now 12 and one all time versus Texas State. They've won the last 12 meetings. Caden, massive performance from Gunnar Watson, who continues to show up in big games 392 yards and three touchdowns. Texas State. Largely stopped the Trojans' rushing attack. Vidal only 43 yards, and but it was a 17-point fourth quarter from Troy that was ultimately the difference. Caden, I got to admit, though, for all the hype of this game, I was a bit disappointed. It was actually closer last year when Troy won 17-14 to in Troy. Two biggest takeaways for me, probably Texas State might be a little bit overhyped. I'll say it, kind of like Colorado, who... Probably still a few players away. Troy's probably underhyped, in my opinion, and arguably now the favorite in the Sun Belt. 
Yeah, Troy is still Troy. No, you probably don't talk about it enough because it's not always the flashiest, but I think they're the chameleon of the conference for me. Yet again, they've had an absolutely dominant defensive performance. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they've adjusted to the style of play necessary to win. And I think that's what makes this team so scary and so even more scary as a defending conference championship. I mean, after beating Army in their own game, outrushing them on the ground, they say, you know what, against Texas State, we're going to do the same thing except for beat you in the passing game. I mean, Gunnar Watson ends this game with more passing yards than TJ Finley. All of the receivers put in more work. You saw Jabray Barber getting 10 catches in this game for 160 yards. A great performance from Deshaun Stoudemire as well. And Gunnar Watson looking like an air raid quarterback when we've seen him handing the ball off to Kamani Vadal probably more often than not this season. So you just have to credit this team and Coach Summerall for always having the ability offensively to adapt to the style of play and do whatever it takes to win on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, this defense, we probably haven't been talking about enough either. We've talked about some of the star players. We've had some of the star players on our podcast, but just from a consistency standpoint, week in and week out, after giving up a touchdown in that first drive against Texas State, and we talked about how important it would be for Texas State to get off to a hot start in this game. They do it. They get their first touchdown of the game, and then Troy's defense says no more of that. We're not going to let you all in the end zone anymore. They don't allow a touchdown the rest of the game. They have four turnovers in this game, yet another one in the red zone. It seems like this team with their back against the wall can just take the ball from you when you'd least expect it. Reddy Stewart has another interception this game. He jumped on a fumble as well. This defense just flies around, plays their best brand of football, it seems like, every week in their offense is willing to play whatever brand possible to win. So I think that's definitely kind of a skill and an attribute that may go underrated. But I think it just should give Troy fans even more confidence the rest of the season. And kind of on the flip side with Texas State, now they're one and two in their last three games. And they haven't really played great in the second half of any of those games. So I think maybe defenses are starting to figure out their scheme a little bit more in the beginning of the season. It was easier for them to catch teams off of guard. They were doing that. But I think offensively, they're going to have to kind of bend down and find different ways to be effective on third down. They weren't doing that again in this game. They've continue to put up the production, the yards, the stats, but the touchdowns haven't been really been with that and they haven't been scoring at the same clip. So I think for both of these teams right now, Troy needs to continue being Troy. And I think for Texas State, they need to figure out what are other teams doing to be more effective against us that wasn't really, we weren't really seeing in the beginning of the season. And then the second half in general, offensive and defensively, got to take our game to a next step. We'll got step. We want to close out the season strong. We definitely have to start closing out games a little bit stronger if you're at Texas State. Troy now 18-4 in two seasons under John Summerall. And Caden, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous that we might hear John Summerall in in some rumors of potentially leaving the conference with how well he's been uh, performing. Troy securing bowl eligibility with the win, but Caden, they've got bigger dreams. Texas State's going to have to wait at least another week to get to the program's first bowl game, still very likely at this point. Troy created separation in the West title race. What's the postseason outlook for both of these teams in your mind moving forward real quickly, Caden? Yeah, Troy is in championship mode. I mean, their only conference loss now is to James Madison. They have two big games against Louisiana and South Alabama and then two much more manageable games against ULM and Southern Miss. So I think their brand of football compared to what they did last year, their head coach, their depth, their great players at all the important spots. This team isn't flashy, but they definitely have all of the makings to run the table and find themselves in the conference championship again. Again, And I think now heading into the month of November, their entire team, their entire fan base is going to really zero in and hone in on that. We might see this team play even better football than we've played all year. And then I think for Texas State, it's really about do they want to be a success story for making a bowl game this year? Do they want to be legitimately in that conference championship conversation? That Troy loss is a tough one. They're going to have that on them. It's going to hang over them for the rest of the season. But they finished their season with an East Slate facing Georgia Southern and Coastal, then finished the game with Arkansas State and South Alabama. How satisfied is this team going to be with being better than it was last year, maybe getting one more win in this final four-game stretch and making a bowl game versus do they want to say, you know what, let's put our head down, do our best to run the table, see if the ball bounces our way 
in, in going forward, maybe Troy loses, maybe something happens. So very excited to see this team that had a very hot start to the season. That's kind of lost some steam. How are they going to finish with a new culture, a new program and a new head coach? Okay, now on a future episode, I feel like we need to compare the Troy Trojans team that we're watching play right now to maybe some of those championship teams that you played on an app. I think there's a lot of similarities there. Troy's got a quick turnaround. They host 4-4 four and four South Alabama, who's coming off that 33-20 loss to Louisiana in Week 9. They will both go head-to-head for the Battle of the Belt, that game on national television on Thursday night. Texas State's going to play at home again next week. They welcome 6-2 and two, Georgia Southern, who's coming off that big win over Georgia State to San Marcos. Texas State will look to secure their first bowl season in program history with a win in that game. We move on. Louisiana, South Alabama, the Ragin' Cajuns winners 33-20 to over the Jags. Huge win for Louisiana. They avenged last year's loss at home. They're now 9-3 and all-time versus the Jags. UL jumped out to an early 17-0 lead. Gant had that big scoop and score. Louisiana ran for 203 yards, their fifth 200 or more rushing game of the year. Zion Chris doesn't throw an interception in the end, just too much for South Alabama. Caden's statement game for Louisiana, now 5-3, and 2-2 two and two in, in, in SBC play. They're right in the thick of the West title race. They've got Arkansas State and Southern Miss up next before they play Troy on the 18th of November. But let's talk about South Alabama. 150 more yards of offense than, than uh, Louisiana in this game. Carter Bradley, a huge performance. LaDamian Webb ran it well. Caden, all the pieces to the formula were in place, but the turnovers killed him. Five in total, two interceptions, three fumbles. They continue this trend of not showing up in big games. Western Kentucky in the bowl game. Tulane to begin the year. JMU, now this. Caden, I'm really concerned heading into Thursday's season-defining game about the Jags. Yeah, and this is a new way to lose for them. I mean, 500 yards of offense and 381 yards of passing for Carter Bradley do not matter when you're going to turn over the ball over five times in a game. I mean, you're not going to win against any reputable and good team doing that unless you get into some crazy shootout that we've seen in the past, maybe in the Pac-12 and some other conferences. But you got to give credit to Jamal Pritchett and Colin Lacey for being very explosive in the passing game in this one. But the two interceptions from Carter Bradley and three fumbles, one return for a touchdown was the difference in this game. This team could have struggled. They'd struggled to finish drives in this game. They moved the chains, but they probably weren't scoring at the same clip that they wanted to. But that all comes down to giving the ball to the opponent, which is a way bigger issue when you're playing a Louisiana team who can run the ball as well as they do continue to take time off the clock and really pay when you give them the ball back, just like a lot of teams in this conference who can run the ball effectively. So I think for this team, they're going to have to figure out to play better in big games fast. I think Carter Bradley left this game with a bum knee, got a little banged up. So I think this team does have some stuff to figure out. The good news is they can point just to the turnovers, just to the finishing drives on the offensive side of the ball and fix those things. But I think moving forward for this team, they definitely have to have just another, it feels like, reality check, a conversation with themselves as a last-ditch effort to kind of figure out who they want to be. And then on the flip side for Louisiana, I mean, this is a huge win for the Cajuns on the road. They leaned on the run game with over 200 yards on the ground. Like you mentioned, Cabote ripped off a long touchdown run, which was electric. Zion Christ didn't have to do too much in this game, just had 17 pass attempts, but he was super efficient on this one. His first touchdown pass might have been the dime of the day. He just had one just put in the bread basket on an elite kind of drop-in drop in kind of touchdown pass that you love to see over the shoulder that no one else, no DB, no anybody can guard when you throw a perfect pass like that. And I think when you look at this defense, if you give up 500 yards on the day, it usually comes with 40 points, but you have to give credit to the Cajuns for hanging in there tough, getting tons of stop when it stops when it mattered most, paying that bend don't break defense where it's, hey, we'll let you move the chains a little bit when it gets in the red zone, when it gets on our side of the field, 
We're not going to let any of that happen. They did that in this game. They generated a lot of turnovers. And I think having a first shutout, half shutout in this game is really what set the tone and allowed, kind of like Georgia State did have to in their game, a team to have to play catch up. And when they did play, did play catch up, they capitalized on some sloppy play, got some turnovers and got their team a win. So I think the stock for both of these teams is going in opposite directions right now. And I think both, one has a lot to figure out and the other has to keep leaning into what they're good at. I think they're really going a postseason run here. Yeah, Caden, I think to your point, the, you know, it feels like the West division is fascinating right now. Troy seems to maybe have separated themselves a bit, but I think anything could happen. You've got four teams at two and two, Louisiana, Texas State, Arkansas State, and South Alabama. We've got South Troy this week, Louisiana, Troy in three weeks. Texas State, I think, could still play spoiler. Caden, has Louisiana set themselves up as maybe that likely team to challenge Troy in the West right now? They definitely have. And I think chasing Troy is the name of the game for both of these teams, really, and really the name of the game in the West when you look at this division of this conference, but more specifically these two teams, because I think these are kind of the two front runners as far as potentially knocking the Trojans off in the future. South Alabama has to look right ahead to Troy. They play them ASAP as they score off this week. They have to figure out the health of their quarterback. They have to figure out some of those turnover issues and figure out how to close out games and win this game before they can even think about anything else this season. This is their biggest game of the year. They're going to have to lock in for this one and really play their best football we've seen in a tough spot coming off of a tough loss. And I think for the Cajuns, on the other hand, they're in a great spot. This is the early season loss to Old Dominion. Isn't looking too bad anymore. They only lost to Georgia State on the other side of the conference. So they have all of their West wins either behind them or ahead of them moving forward this season. If they run the table, they're in the conference championship game. They have two games against Arkansas State and Southern Miss to warm up for this big matchup against Troy coming up, which could very well decide who represents the West. So there's a lot to be excited about Lafayette. I think when we talked in the offseason about the importance of the schedule and the order of the schedule, we're seeing this team now as well as the App State team who could possibly do some similar things playing their most important games on their side of the division moving forward the rest of the season make a strong postseason push so I'm excited for Louisiana for sure and I think for my South Alabama team who I picked to be in the conference championship things are looking grim on a short week against a Troy team that's for sure. Kate as you mentioned Louisiana is going to go on the road to Jonesboro they'll face Arkansas State this coming week the Red Wolves coming off a 34 to 23 win over ULM that we'll talk about in a few moments Louisiana going to look to lock up bowl eligibility for the sixth straight year South Alabama Place Thursday night in Troy, the Battle of the Belts. They're looking to get within a win of bowl eligibility versus the Trojans coming off that win over Texas State. We'll move on to our fifth matchup, Coastal Carolina Marshall. And it was the Shawna Clears who picked up a statement win. They did it in front of the largest crowd in Coastal Carolina history. They did it all without Grayson McCall. Rasheen Ali did play for Marshall. 33 points, Gaiden, in the first half in this game. 27 from Coastal, 6 for Marshall, but then only 7 in the second half. That Reese White touchdown with 9.49 to go. Coastal earns their first homecoming win since 2000. Gaiden, biggest story in this game was the play of Jarrett Guest. We publicly doubted him on Friday, and in our defense, there wasn't much of a track record to point to, but he shut up the doubters. He threw for 289 yards, a career high, three touchdowns, responsible for north of 300 total yards. Five completions of greater than 25 yards, eight big plays in total. Caden, no pun intended here, but this was exactly what the doctor ordered for Coastal Carolina. It definitely is, No, You have to give a huge shout out to their offensive staff and Tim Beck and Jarrett Guest for just devising a great game plan and Jarrett really being able to go out there and execute it at a high level. They only had him throw the ball 20 ball times in this game, completed 14 of those passes, and they got him going early. The first play of the game, their first offensive possession when he got the rock, immediately threw a deep pass and got this thing going and really got his confidence going for the rest of the contents that 
the rest of the contest. I think when you look at him in the past in this Coastal Carolina offense, I think he doesn't look as comfortable as he does in this new scheme under Tim Beck. And I think he was really able to benefit from that in this game, just being able to get in rhythm, get his receivers involved early and often. And I think when you look at the ability and the use of Jared Brown this game, it was huge. He was his top target in this matchup. He was able to score twice. They found effective ways to get him involved in the running game as well. And then you have guys like Sam Pickney who are always reliable as well. I think the receivers and the scheme in this one really set Jared up for success. He was able to make do on that. And I think also this team being able to rely on their run game per usual. We saw Reese White do some effective things in the run game, even getting a guy like Ethan Vasco involved, a freshman quarterback who had his own packages, doing some different things in the run game as well. I think when you look at this game plan as a whole, it was perfectly tailored and perfectly executed with Jared at the helm. And I think just a big win like this without your your leader, and Grayson McCall being there is just a huge morale boost for the team overall. And I mentioned it too, when we talked about this matchup in the preview, how much can their defense help them? Well, this team's offense only had to score one touchdown to win this game. They held Marshall to just six points in this matchup. Jared Guest did more than he even had to to win this game. Definitely built his confidence up. And I think we would talk about it with the Georgia Southern game. Great complimentary ball for sure was played in Conway this weekend. Hey, certainly Coastal Carolina may be starting to look scary. You get Grayson McCall back healthy, and uh, I have the feeling Coastal Carolina's got a little revenge on their mind when they play James Madison to end the regular season. Kate, another side for Marshall, not as rosy. Cam Fancher starts ineffective, 11 for 22, 125 yards through two interceptions, and uh, you know they replaced him in the second half with Cole Pennington, the son of Marshall legend Chad Pennington in the third quarter. We heard his name all offseason. Kane, he was not much better, 77 yards, two interceptions, but suddenly we've got a controversy in Huntington, and if you're Marshall, I'm just curious where you go from here. Yeah, it's an interesting problem because we've talked about the quarterback position, how it's overanalyzed, over-scrutinized when it comes to wins and losses in football, but I think when you look at this Marshall team specifically, when you look at the problems they're having this season right now, I think it all comes down to the defense and the scheme of their offense right now and that recipe to success we've talked about. Yet again, this Marshall team wasn't able to run the ball well in this game. They only had 81 yards on the ground. And as a result, these quarterbacks who are younger guys who aren't as experienced and won't really have that kind of command to throw the ball 40, 30, 50 times in a game, whichever you want to call it, I think they're put in a position now where it's harder for them to succeed. And I think Mila Camp Bancher in this game, we know he comes with some turnovers. He had that one interception that was bobbled out of his receiver's hands. It was a perfect pass, came straight out of his hands, was an interception. Then his other interception was just blatantly a bad read. But I think when you look at him, he doesn't have that much time to throw. He's running for his life at times. And I think when you look at this scheme that they're running with Clint Trickett as their offensive coordinator, they're just not looking and really creating effective ways to get their wide receivers down the field open in key spots. When you looked at the opposite side of the ball, Jarrett Guest making his first start of the season. He had so many easy throws to make in this game. He had receivers that were open in windows, very decisive, very on time, very on target. And he was just looked like offensively from a personnel standpoint, from a scheme standpoint, better set up than either of the Marshall quarterbacks that played in this game. So I think moving forward, I would go with Cam Fancher just because you've gotten so many wins with him. But I think from a schematic standpoint, offensively, if your defense is going to be giving up a bunch of points and y'all are going to every other game not be able to run the ball, possibly you got to find more creative ways in these simple screen passes, these passes in the flat, these slant routes, these very predictable offensive passing schemes. I know brother bread and butter is not the wide receiver game. It's not the passing game, but it should have to maybe lean that way if you're going to not get as much production from the run game and you need to score more points. So I think from an offensive identity standpoint, no matter who's playing quarterback for this team going forward, they're just going to have to find more creative ways to get their playmakers the ball in space. Well, Kane, at the end of the day, it was Trickett versus Trickett and Trickett won. Uh, Coastal Carolina <laughs> travels up north uh, to Norfolk, Virginia to face Old Dominion, who's coming off that 30-27 to 27 loss to JMU. 
in Week 9. Coastal looks to secure bowl eligibility for the fourth straight season. Marshall, Caden, they're headed to Boone, North Carolina for a night game on national television. Can't wait to see the jersey combo there. Uh, And Marshall, after starting undefeated, uh, they have now lost four consecutive games. Caden, let's move on and talk about the App State-Southern Miss game. Uh, App State wins 48-38 to over Southern Miss, a game with many twists and turns. The two teams traded touchdowns in the first half. App State trailed by 10 at the half. Frank Gore was Frank Gore of old. Game took a major turn in that fourth quarter. A couple big touchdowns from Christian Horde and Kanye Roberts looking like the real deal. Caden, we went into the weekend wondering what we'd see. I know you were a little bit nervous about this one. I bet you were even more nervous at halftime. Uh, Billy Wiles had the best game of his career. Holy Frank Gore, 247 yards and two touchdowns, 10 yards per carry. Ty Mims went off, 588 yards in this game, was the most since the bowl game last year when they had 550. Caden, this was a glimpse of what I think we all thought we were going to see this year from Southern Miss. It's, it's good to finally see it. Yeah, you could tell when this offense took the field in the first drive, and I talked about this first drive of this game was going to be the hardest for App State's defense just because they were playing a new coordinator, a new scheme of sorts, and they were going to have to kind of feel things out. But when you saw this offense go on their first drive and continue to keep building on that throughout the game, you kind of felt like it was going to be a shootout, and this was going to be one of those games where the defense was a little optional. But you have to give credit to this new kind of regime that's been running this offense now for the past week and going into this game and all culminating and coming together in a special way. Billy Wilds looked the most comfortable he's looked in a conference game this year, I think, in most important moments. We've seen him play well in the second half, so they're already down by 30 points. But from the first half to the fourth quarter of this game, he looked confident. He played excellent. He made some really tough throws on the sideline just in person that were a little bit dazzling, a little bit shocking to watch as far as the arm talent. And I think that all comes from the confidence that he got in this game. And a lot of that confidence comes from being able to run the ball 300 yards in this game with Frank Gore Jr. Finally getting put in better positions in space, being able to rip up some of those classic long runs. The 75-yard run in this game was huge. And I think when you look at them getting their weapons, the ball in space, which was a huge key, you saw them have some more creativity. You saw Jacarius Kasten get involved on a rushing touchdown in this game. You saw Ty Mims have his best performance of the year. So I think offensively now, Going forward, this team has something finally a spark to build off of. They didn't get the win they wanted to, but I think compared to their past struggles they've had offensively, I think things are definitely looking on the up and up for this Southern Miss offense moving forward this season. Caden, meanwhile, if you live in Boone and you want to be rich, go become a cardiologist because App State fans need to go to the heart doctor after this one. They trail 38-28 to with 14-01 left in the fourth quarter. Southern Miss came in 1-6 and six on the year, not overly competitive in most of their games. And similarly to that ULM game a couple weeks ago, Caden, they continue to play down to their competition. They struggle on the road as well. This is not the same championship caliber football team in App State that, that maybe you played on back in the day. Yeah, finally getting a look at this team in person and watching them. And I know everyone in the high country, when you see the record not looking the way it normally does, they're all trying to point fingers in different directions, figure out what the reason why App isn't losing. You can point at the head coach, you can point at the personnel, you can point at the new teams in the conference. There's a thousand directions you could definitely point in. But from watching the game in person, I think the most evident thing that was clear as to why this team hasn't been as successful as we're accustomed to seeing is that they play to the level of their competition. Now, when you look throughout the entire season, You watch them go to Chapel Hill and stand toe-to-toe with a great UNC team and come up short in that game. You watch them go to Wyoming, go toe-to-toe with that Wyoming team. 
Monroe, all these games, when you look at no matter who they're playing, it's an even and close matchup. It's because they're playing to the level of their competition. And I think just watching this game in person, that was evident. They got punched in the mouth first by Southern Miss on the first drive. It took them a second to kind of get their legs and recover. But then after that, we knew it was just going to be a back and forth brawl between these two teams. Thankfully, the offensive firepower of this team was able to prevail. Joey Aguilar, I think, played a great game despite being under duress at certain times. He was able to throw four touchdown passes in this game find Christian Horn twice on some electric touchdown passes and Nate Noel I talked to him after the game he said he has to get healthy he's a guy who's still working to get healthy but you have to love what you saw from Kanye Roberts in this game with 100 yards and ripping off a giant run as well the defense still has its problems I think it definitely struggled especially trying to figure out this scheme and where they were going it seemed like as far as run pass pass effectiveness the balance that Southern Miss presented presented problems for App State that kind of kept them guessing at times, but they were able to bow up at the end of the game, really have that big swing where they held them to just one touchdown in that fourth quarter, and they were able to put up 20 points of themselves. But I think for App State fans moving forward, expect this team to play to the level of their competition. Expect every game to be close. When they play Marshall, that'll be a close one. When they play Georgia State, that'll be a close one. And then James Madison, we saw how close that close that game was last week, and we saw that James Madison was a little bit human, so don't be surprised if that game is close too. So I think with this team and this culture and this program, there's a lot of different directions to point in, but I think it's clear that when you watch this team play, especially after watching them in person, they're ultimately right now not just showing that killer instinct to go out there and dominate unless it's a team that's expected to dominate them. So it seems like from just a program standpoint, they just have to do a better job. And not only finishing games, it was great to see them finish this game strong, and I think they're improving that area. But just moving forward as a mentality going into games, worry about competing against yourself, playing your best football versus the opponent across from you. I think maybe we can see this team play more like themselves that we're accustomed to seeing in the past this season to finish things out. Certainly a topic for another episode, Caden, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that killer mentality for maybe some of those championship football teams at App State in the future. App State's going to welcome Marshall, who's 4-4, four and four, coming off that 34-6 loss to Coastal in Week 9 to Boone. The Mountaineers will look to move within a win of bowl eligibility in that game. Southern Miss welcomes ULM to the Rock in Hattiesburg. They'll look for their first Sunbelt Conference win versus an 0-5 ULM team. So someone's walking away with their first ever Sunbelt win on the season. Caden, we move on. Last game of the weekend, Arkansas State ULM. The Red Wolves winning 34-24 over ULM. Back and forth battle in the first half. Arkansas State led at the half. ULM then led in the third quarter, but then Arkansas State goes on a run of 24 unanswered points, a couple of rushing touchdowns from Zach Wallace, who had a nice game, and uh, Arkansas State extending their win streak over ULM to 14 games. Kane, one of the most underrated storylines of the weekend was both Arkansas State and ULM seem to have found their quarterbacks of the future. Jalen Rayner had a huge game, 298 yards, a touchdown, also threw an interception, ran for a touchdown as well. He's got multiple touchdowns in four of his five starts. Blake Murphy on the other side makes his first career start, throws for 300 yards. Uh, he completed 25 passes, responsible for two touchdowns, over 320 yards of total offense. Kane, this is a welcome sign for both of these fan bases that it looks like they have quarterbacks of the future. Definitely. I think when you look at both of these programs and them trying to improve and take steps in the right direction and grow and get themselves more in the win column than they're accustomed to seeing, you got to look at the quarterback position first and the play that they have there. And I think as far as looking at the young play they've gotten, the young production they've got from these two guys, you have to be promising, have to feel promising going forward with these two guys under center and at the helm. I think Blake Murphy 
was a guy we saw sprinkled into last week's game and having an impact in that matchup. And this matchup, I think the most impressive thing he did was not turn the ball over, which was huge for this team. And we've seen Jalen Rayner now the last couple of weeks continue to grow as a passer, as a runner, as a player overall. And I think both of these guys, with their dual threat ability, especially in today's game of football, are going to be able to add something and bring something to the table that's going to give defenses a problem on a weekly basis, despite no matter how the scheme goes, no matter how things go offensively. If you have a quarterback with legs, that just presents another thing for a defense to worry about and can keep you into games that maybe you shouldn't be and can elevate you to winning games when it gets really close. So I think both of these quarterbacks now hopefully are the quarterbacks of the future. They can keep growing for both of these programs moving forward. You love what you saw from them. I think in this one, Jalen Rayner got a little bit more help from his backfield. Zach Wallace really turned up at the end of this game and helped him out. And I think, like we mentioned before, the penalties of ULM continue to kill them in this game. When you look at across the board in this game, they ran the ball pretty much identically with 150 yards. They both had about 500 yards of offense. Both of their quarterbacks threw for 300 yards, but ULM had nine penalties for 75 yards that I think was ultimately the difference in this game. Plus Arkansas State kind of just putting things into another gear in that second half and really putting their foot on their necks. But credit to both of these young quarterbacks, I think, for showing that they have potential to have a bright future and maybe take these teams to another level. Maybe not as early as this year, but in the future. Hey, definitely fair to say that we might be in the golden era of uh, young Sunbelt quarterbacks with Zeon, Chris, Rayner, and now Murphy at ULM. Arkansas State plays host to 5-3 and three Louisiana, who's coming off a 33-20 to 20 win over South Alabama in Week 9. The Red Wolves look to move within a win of bowl eligibility if they can take down the Ragin' Cajuns. And as I mentioned, ULM heads to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They're going to face Southern Miss, who's 1-7, coming off that 10-point loss to App State in Week 9. They will look for their first Sunbelt Conference win of the year. Caden, we've got a quick moment here for just a closing thought from you on the weekend. Great weekend of ball that just has me even more excited for my favorite month of football, November. I think all of these teams have great resumes in moments, but I think the teams that have now kind of built some real recent resumes heading into the month of November are going to thrive the best. So I just can't wait to see these teams play when it matters most. We have a lot of great matchups next week and moving forward where the stakes are going to rise and it's going to really matter who wins or loses and who's going to be ultimately in that conference championship game and hosting that trophy up. So I think this is the time of year where it's getting a little bit colder. We're going to see some of these defenses maybe show up a little bit more despite some of the amazing fantastic quarterback play we saw this weekend but just very excited to see hopefully these teams play their best brand of football moving forward and I think we saw a lot of glimpses of that this weekend well that will do it for our week nine recap on the Frarian Smith podcast November is here and the final sprint for the Sunbelt title game begins now before you go here's a quick reminder we'll be back on Wednesday we're going to be releasing our latest student-athlete interview. We will be featuring South Alabama linebacker James Miller ahead of the Troy-South Alabama matchup on Thursday. You're not going to want to miss that interview. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do one thing. Share this podcast with one, maybe two, or even three of your Sunbelt football-loving friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.